This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Basically. I am your host, Stephanie Preisner, and with me today to discuss all things X, as in Twitter slash X slash what the hell is going on, is Maraid McGuire, who is a reporter with the journalist with the journal.ie. Welcome to the studio. Thank you. I I mean, I just I'm loath to even talk about the subject because this story has so many twists and turns, and Elon Musk seems like the most bizarre human being on the planet with way too much money and so little sense with what to do with it. Although he's making huge strides with Tesla and with SpaceX, but Twitter seems to be his like little 43 billion side hustle. And now I notice that there's a new app on my phone that X pops up when I'm talking on radio or podcasts or Instagram. I don't, it feels weird to be like, and Donald Trump has X'd or, you know, we still use tweet and retweet. What is going on? Why did it change? And how is the change impacting both the company and us? Yeah, so I suppose we could probably do a whole other podcast on analysing the psyche of Elon Musk. But I suppose just looking at Twitter, it's become almost unrecognisable within a year. As you said, there's been the rebrand to X, um, which I don't think many people saw coming, but I also think people didn't see a lot of what has happened in the last year coming. Um, So I suppose if we rewind a bit, Elon Musk took over in October 2022. Now, he had previously had sort of dealings with with Twitter and he'd been a longtime user. Yeah, like he was a super fan, like he was always on it. And, you know, he seemed to be a a mm. big character on there. He really felt that he knew a lot about it and that he really wanted to make some changes. So he would have previously criticised it for uh, maybe not performing as the online town hall that it should, saying that it limits freedom of speech because of the way they report things. And um, yeah, so he set out to create a new sort of Twitter. And more than that, um, so it's not just a rebrand, it's really a whole makeover with regards to how the app functions and what the user experience is. Um, So they're looking to move towards payments and banking and commerce, which is really interesting to kind of make X a super app. It's not just about talking anymore, connecting with people or reading the news. It's, I think, supposed to be an everything app eventually. Where, But I think that people who use it for the news and talking to people, even those people who use it a lot for that, recognise that it is a cesspit like it is a, not a nice place it's not a trustworthy place there's loads of bots in there loads of like you know far right far left accounts that you don't know whether they're real it's not someone I want to trust with my money like yes and I think people really really saw that with the change of how people are verified so the way it used to be was that if you were a public figure or a news organization or a big company you could apply to become verified so that everyone would know this, this person is the real is Stephanie Preisner. I exactly. had a blue tick. Yeah. Right, exactly. Same. So 
it just made sense. And then people kind of knew at least a little bit more clearly who they could sort of trust or at least um, who the real person was Was. because obviously there's lots of fake accounts like Instagram for example um, also has blue ticks because there's so many fake accounts of people Um, but then whenever Musk took over pretty much immediately he changed um, verification to a subscription service so it became Twitter blue and now people pay I think it's eight euro a month or the American equivalent um, as well now to be to have a blue tick beside their name that doesn't really mean anything because anyone can buy one yes exactly yeah. it's not a verified account anymore it's just an account that wanted to pay eight euro a month to have a tick beside their name yes and I like my blue tick was taken away and I was like is this something that I need to like now pay for and I was like hang on a second absolutely not I don't even use that app it scares me too much like if I get a notification that someone has tweeted at me or xed at me whatever I'm like oh god what has happened now like it sends the fear of god into me absolutely and like it's the the way in which it's monitored as well and the reporting processes, um, they're also much less trustworthy than they once were. Um, but I thought, I, like, did he not want to make it... I thought that he was going to come in, get rid of the bots, that you were going to have to, like, verify who you are so that there was no fake accounts. Like, if I wanted to tweet something, it was going to be like, this is Stephanie Preisner, this is my name, I have to stand over the things that I say. But it seems to have gotten worse since he took over. Yeah, I think that was, perhaps that was a genuine idea, but I think if you see how immediate the rise of far-right accounts were whenever he took over, he quickly saw, if he didn't see before, who his fans were, who his audience were, and they're not the type of people who want their face to the things that they're saying a lot of the time. Um, so I do think it it's unfortunate, but it makes sense, um, the direction things have gone in. I think most people... Anecdotally, I would have heard um, a lot of people find that they're not seeing the tweets they want to see. Um, They're seeing things that they actually really, really disagree with in a serious way. He has said that, and I heard Anton Savage say the same thing um, on his show the other day, that if you block something on Twitter, the algorithm is like, oh, she blocked that. That really made her engage. Let's show her more of this. Rather than the algorithm being like, oh, she doesn't want to see this let's try something different. So, the, and, and he's openly, Elon has to- openly said that. And I think he's trying, is it some agenda to be like, you know, to stop the echo chamber? Like you're going to get, you're going to see things that challenge your opinion on things. But like some of the stuff that I see is just overtly racist, bigoted, really problematic, illegal sometimes. It's a scary place to be. It is because one thing is seeing other opinions you don't agree with. And then it's another to have just a bunch of Mm-hmm. bigotry on your timeline which I think most people don't want the um, way I think about it is like it's fine if you see so say you're a Liverpool fan mm. you love Liverpool and Liverpool and Manchester United are playing a match and Liverpool win and you see someone tweeting Manchester United should have won that's fine but there are people on there who are saying that match never happened it didn't doesn't exist football isn't real and you're like hang on a second like it's okay to have disagreeing you know, opinions, but on stuff that we agree is real, you know? Mm-hmm. And I suppose the whole takeover as well, I suppose to go deeper into the into the branding side of things, even just visually, it's been described 
the whole X logo. Um, it's black with like a white X. It's been described by marketing experts as threatening and kind of what taking is- away all personality and humanity from the sort of Twitter app that maybe maybe wasn't real, but um, there was an impression there that it was made to build communities in a positive way, mm-hmm. whether that was true or not. Um, but that whole ideology has been abandoned. And it seems like the whole accountability structures, it's like, I think you do find this a lot with people like Elon Musk, who are particularly pandering to the far right. They say that they're going to get rid of these kind of probably long time accountability structures that may not have been perfect, but probably would work a lot better than what they're suggesting. And then they create their own kind of quasi accountability structures that really don't do the job at all, but it gives them uh, an image that makes it look like they're in control, they make the decisions. And as I said, they are also just catering to this audience of people who want to feel like they can do whatever they want. And to a certain extent, you can do whatever you want, I think, on Twitter or X right now. What was the impact for people working for Twitter when he came in? You know, like just the accountants, the people who had actual jobs in Twitter, in this country and in other countries? That has probably been one of the most concerning parts of this because people forget that there are so many actual people behind all of the functions of a platform like Twitter. So as soon as Musk took over, he set out to lay off about half of their workforce, um, which is, you know, bad enough in and of itself. I mean, there's been lots of layoffs, especially in tech over the past couple of years. Um, So maybe not the most surprising thing. But at the same time, I suppose the way he went about it is what was most controversial. So, for example, there were people just coming into work and they would go in to log into their computers and they'd just be locked out and they'd be wondering, well, what's what's this about? And then they'd later find out that they were were laid off. Um, Also, there was just awful communication ironically, um, between the company and the actual staff members. So, for example, I remember Dublin staff members, they were they were told by somebody um, that this was back in November, that they were not allowed to work from home anymore. And tomorrow morning they had to be back in the office. And they kind of freaked out because they had not been told by this well enough in advance. They'd been doing that for a long time. They didn't see what the actual practicalities um, of being in the office would do to help with their job, basically. And um, it was Musk himself who had to tweet saying, no, that's actually false. And I didn't say that at all. Nobody said that. And you can work from home. Nobody's asking you to be in the office um, anymore. So it's just so chaotic and kind of tumultuous. It's stressful enough for employees who aren't sure if they have a job or not. And then they're wondering, oh, is does this mean if I can't log into something, does that mean that I'm laid off? Um, is it, do I have to completely change the way I work now? Do I have to move? Um, there was just so many problems with the way it was done. Um, there was lots of other just kind of odd decisions made by Musk as well that really, I suppose, went against the grain just for the sake of going against the grain, I would argue. Like he took the company off the stock market um, and just made it completely private. Was that because he was he knew that stock prices were probably going to plummet when he got yeah. attached to it? And look, I mean, he freely admits himself that the value of the company has gone way down. I think it's an estimated 30% less um, than but it was when it, he took over. Before he took over, it wasn't like this sort of like thriving, amazing machine that, you know, that we're kind of pining for now. Like it was losing money. 
it was like there were a lot of issues, questionable, you know, bot accounts and their influence in politics was significant. So there there were problems at Twitter, but I think that he thought I can make these better, but he has actually just made them significantly worse. And I think he's trying to make, nobody knew how to make Twitter make money. And now with the Twitter blue and the blue ticks and paying for things, he probably is making a little bit more and firing all those people brings down the cost of running the company. But I I just don't see what the future of Twitter is. Yeah, that's a good question. So over the past year, there have been other platforms that people have been trying out because I think at the end of the day, while Twitter had a lot of issues, there were lots of things that people really liked about it and got accustomed to using. Mm-hmm. So that like kind of quick interaction with people, you know, you don't really get that with with Instagram. That's not its function. Facebook is not really, it's kind of considered to be for older people now. So for sort of younger Gen Z, millennials particularly. And significant news was broken on Twitter. Like we found out about mm. loads of really important things through Twitter. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's become a cornerstone of a lot of journalists' jobs as well. Um, for example, Mastodon became a platform that people started to move to whenever he took over. So it was a very similar sort of platform, maybe not as kind of fancy or as easy to use as Twitter, but people saw it as an alternative um, that they could still perform the same functions, but without kind of all the problems of Elon Musk. Now, a lot of people did move over, I but a lot of people over. didn't. I did. and then But it was like, I moved over to Mastodon, but then you had to be specifically Mastodon Ireland and it was not user friendly. Like the UX design in it is very poor. And I was like, no, these are not the people that I want to be hanging out with. So I don't ever use it. I think I have an account, but I don't know what it's about. Yeah, this could be seen as a great opportunity for other social media companies and big investors to really create something that is what Twitter was slash should be. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, uh, Meta, I believe they brought out threads over the summer, but it didn't really take off in the way they wanted it to. I remember for a couple of days, everyone was like, oh, threads, this is the new thing, this is the thing we have to be on now. A lot of people might have created accounts and they're all connected to their Instagrams. But I think people were going on to see what other people were doing, but then nobody was there to actually do anything. Everyone was just there to see what it was like. I couldn't get a threads account though. Like it wasn't rolled out. You had to have a VPN or something like it wasn't in our territory yet. Loads of my American friends had threads, but it was mainly everyone on threads moved on to be like, Twitter's disgusting, here I am. You know, yes. <laughs> like, literally, yeah. Okay, but what yeah, because the UK had it before us and everything because um, I think there was issues with um, the legalities of it in, yeah, yeah. in the EU, uh, which probably isn't a great sign in and of itself. Um, but yeah, there's, I suppose, there probably is this gap in the market. Do we want a copy and paste version of the old Twitter? Probably not. Um, there's always time that should be spent on just thinking about how things have changed, which I think they have even in a year, I think they've changed a lot. Um, But what that will become, it's hard to say. I think Elon Musk will plough ahead anyway. Um, He seems happy enough because I suppose, as you said at the start, you know, he's made of money. This isn't, it's it's not about wealth for him, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about power and influence. And that's a difference. Before, there was no Elon Musk of the last Twitter. And they didn't want there to be. He wants to become the face of this thing. And he wants to be able to tweet out and everybody immediately looks to what he says because that's the only way you can find out what's going on. And he has such power in this online space. 
And I think he's achieved that. He's become the person that really people are looking to for information, whether it's right or wrong or <laughs> truthful or not. Um, yeah. And he also obviously does have some genuine fans as well who are who are there just following everything and basically do everything he says. Yeah, which I think, which I do think is alarming. At the same time as I hate it, I use it every day. Like mm. I have Twitter notifications for certain journalists, for certain news outlets, you know, and, and I do find that that's much quicker than like, so I will also have push notifications for RTE News, The Independent, their own apps that I subscribe to. But it's generally a journalist that breaks something on Twitter before those journalists have it out, you know, the Associated Press. So I do use it for news. Um, but it's not somewhere that I would ever engage with anything on. And I kind of miss the days where, you know, there was like, you'd kind of go on Twitter during the Late Late Toy Show and you'd all be live tweeting things and it was all kind of fun and people would be joking about things. And now it's kind of like, oh, it's like a dark alleyway that you have to get, you have to walk down to get to where you need to go. But you're kind of like, I just need to get really quickly through this place you know, and then get out of here. Yeah, I completely agree. It's unfortunately become kind of a necessity for a lot of people, whether it be for their careers or just, yeah, just to keep up with news and stuff. Um, I suppose one thing that could come from this that might be positive is, like you said, people actually downloading news apps more Mm -hmm. and getting the news straight from the source. Um, That's quite important because obviously one of the big issues was that People were spreading things and misinterpreting things and um, not to sound like Donald Trump, but there was a lot of fake news and there genuinely was Mm -hmm. probably not the same fake news he was talking about. But um, that was a genuine issue. So if we can encourage people to go straight to media outlets online or even physical papers, which would also be be great, I think, for a lot of news outlets, um, that could be a positive outcome um, of this. I'm going to take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. Our sponsor is Rockwell Financial and they have a special offer for basically listeners. Rockwell Financial protect but also enhance the wealth of SME owners. If you own a small or medium enterprise or you are a sole trader in Ireland, Rockwell Wealth Management will protect and enhance your wealth and they have a free consultation for basically listeners. So call them up, tell them you're a basically listener and they will give you a one-to-one consultation for free. Your heart works 24-7. So if you're worried about chest pain, palpitations or breathlessness, it's really reassuring to know that expert heart care works 24-7 too. The Matter Private Network in Dublin is the only private hospital in Ireland offering urgent cardiac care all day, every day. That's weekends, bank holidays, even through the night. It's a unique service for patients who are worried about their heart and want to be seen quickly by heart experts at one of Ireland's leading hospitals for cardiology care. If you're worried about your heart, remember this number. 1800 24 7 999. You'll speak directly to a cardiac specialist nurse at Matter Private and they'll talk to you about your symptoms. And if you need to come to hospital, you'll get a thorough cardiac assessment as soon as you arrive. If you need treatment or a procedure, the cardiology team will work out the most appropriate plan for you. Even if you need treatment the same day, this will be arranged immediately. For urgent cardiac care at Matter Private Network Dublin, call 1800 247 999 or visit matterprivate.ie for more information. So if the security guard never saw Aoife leave the building, how could Mark have committed the crime? And then there's a letter from the confession box. Anyway, sorry for the rambling voice note. But to answer your question, no. 
If this sounds like you, then Headstuff Podcasts Competition Join the Cast is offering you the chance to record your own podcast series worth €50,000. Simply pitch your idea at jointhecast.ie. T's and C's apply. When it wasn't under Elon Musk's steerage and, you know, you saw people like Donald Trump being banned from Twitter and uh, different people, I guess, seeing repercussions for their behaviour, consequences. Um, is there just none of that now? Like, is Elon Musk, like, you can say whatever you want on here. If it's offensive, then people just don't have a right not to be offended and anyone can do anything they want. Yeah, one of the things I think um, I have seen to be a positive change on Twitter is that now, now this is not every tweet, but um, users can sort of apply to have an explanation added to a tweet if they feel there's missing context or if there's misinformation. So you might see something like, there has been a flood in Cork and there's a picture of the flood, right? Mm -hmm. But somebody might say, this isn't actually a picture of the flood in Cork at all. Or this is a picture of a flood in Cork two years ago, not Mm -hmm. the one now. And then that context is added so then users can see... um, that the additional information. So whenever they're just scrolling and they're kind of sort of mindlessly taking in this information, uh, there are checks there that are reminding them, um, you know, don't believe everything you see. Would they verify there has been a flood in Cork, but this is not the picture of that flood? Or is it just like this? What What is the... I haven't seen that. So what, what mm. is the context that's given? To be honest, it's completely reliant on the users. So I wouldn't call it a foolproof way of verifying things. As I said, it's not on every tweet. So the way it would be is if I saw a tweet and I wanted to kind of make a correction of it, I can go in and I can sort of go into like um, add more or whatever and you can you can write what you think should be added to it for context. But, but that needs to be verified then. Yes, but I would argue that it's not very extensive. Like I, I would say... It's been used more for simple things that are easy to verify. I don't think that there's anybody, I mean, I'm happy to to be corrected, but I don't think there's anybody working at X who is spending hours trying to verify a story or a tweet. I would say it's more Mm -hmm. so it's double checked in a couple of minutes. This person says this, that sounds about right. We'll add that in. Um, It's better than nothing, but it also does beg the question, if there's enough wrong with the tweet, why isn't it just removed? And I think that's the difference between the way Twitter was and Elon Musk. Twitter definitely didn't get rid of everything, but it was more just all or nothing, where things would be left or they'd be taken off. Whereas Elon Musk, he says he's all about freedom of speech and all this. Um, So I suppose this is almost like a compromise where, yeah, you can say anything you want, but people also can say that's wrong. That's wrong. I have, one of my favourite things to do is report things on Twitter. I got a very, very high status person uh, blocked from tweeting on a very important day because they were tweeting um, really threatening stuff in the previous weeks and I had reported all of it. And then I got an email from Twitter being like, we have actioned your report. But several times I have reported things that are, you know, you know, either hate speech or, you know, um, I guess incitements to to, to violence or body shaming, you know, like really problematic stuff. 
And you get this notification being like, we have found nothing wrong. And you're like, how have you found nothing wrong with this tweet? Like, this tweet is overt. This is bullying. This is harassment. And they're like, no, it does. It, our community guidelines say it's not. It's infuriating. It is, yeah. I've done the same thing. There's lots of things I've reported that, that comes back and it's it's all fine, um, according to Twitter. Um, that's unfortunately the power that these social media giants have. It's completely at their discretion, really. Um, but is there a human behind that who's using their discretion, who thinks, yeah, look, I'm going to leave that up because... Mm. I would say probably the issue is that there aren't enough humans behind it. Um, I don't think that there is a bunch of Elon Musk minions who are looking at these tweets and and thinking, no, freedom of speech. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say that it's it's a lot to do with staffing issues. As I said, they lay off half the workforce. I believe for a time they didn't even have a press office. Um, So (laughs) I don't know how much... how, how much manpower is put behind... Um, looking at reports because that, in fairness, does not seem to be a priority um, at the moment. Do you think that people need to, like, how do you think people can engage with Twitter in a way that isn't going to impact their mental health? Or do you think that people should just, like, ditch Twitter slash X and move on to another platform? And if so, where have you gone that isn't Mastodon? Well, I would be a hypocrite if I told people to leave Twitter because I am still very much there. I would say I definitely don't scroll as much as I used to because I don't enjoy it anymore. But I think you gave some really helpful kind of tips there earlier on when you said that you have notifications on for certain people and also downloading those other apps where you can get news from the source. Um, That seems to be the best way. You can also create sort of lists. Um, So you might have, you can create different categories of users or kind of types of information so you could have all of that blocked together in a list and you can just go check your list then you'll just see the tweets from those specific people that you have on that list whether so you it could be have like a politics list and you'd follow like all the political correspondents you could have like a sports list and you could follow all your sports teams or whatever and then just go in there and know that like you're not going to see anything that's not related to that content yeah exactly so in fairness like that is a good way of doing it it's not as intuitive you kind of it takes another couple of steps to sort of get there when you're on the app. It looks better on desktop, which is not how most people use Twitter primarily. Um, but that is an option. So you could even do it where you would have one with local news, one with national news. Um, you could have even just funny people, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is an option. Um I think most people have probably reduced their usage a good bit. I don't know what the stats are on that, but just... Um, Anecdotally, I would say most of my friends who would have probably had a problem with how much they were on Twitter don't have that problem anymore because it's just not as enjoyable and it doesn't really cater to what people want. Um, As for, I guess, where else people could move to, yeah, that gap is still there. Um, I I don't think any of the suggestions or the, the new ideas that have popped up have been as successful as they thought they'd be. Um, but I also think that's because and and humans do this all the time where we 
we course correct too severely. So we're like, this place is too mean. Let's make this really nice rainbows and unicorns place. And it's like, people actually don't want to be in a space where everyone's like, you're doing amazing. You know, like people want honesty and authenticity and a bit of cynicism. What we don't want is like racism, hatred, just grossness. Um, But I feel like the spaces that have come since Twitter lost its shine have almost been too community focused and we're going to pat each other on the back. Like we all want to see, you know, people, well, I want to see, you know, people saying things that other people can argue back and forth with in a way that is like, because we're allowed to have different opinions. And I like seeing those being argued here and there on Twitter. Like, for example, when the Witch Trolls of J.K. Rowling podcast came out, I was fascinated by like, OK, I listened to this podcast. I've seen how so many people call this woman a turf, the hatred that she gets. But now I'm seeing this cohort of people who've listened to the podcast and are kind of like maybe slightly half pro J.K. or like definitely curious about her and watching that play out. Whereas on a unicorn platform... <laughs> that none of that is allowed because, you know, this is a safe space for everyone. And I think that also, people want a little bit of the spice of Twitter, but not the abject horror that is often there. Yeah, because one of the apps that has obviously become extremely popular is TikTok. Mm -hmm. And while there's lots of different types of videos on TikTok and um, a lot of them are just kind of visual sorts of things, um, there's also a lot of debate and kind of to the point where you can't really do anything without mm-hmm. I would say without somebody having a big opinion on it or saying I don't know well did you consider this or you know yes, yeah. whatever which can be helpful sometimes but you know there are limits and yeah the problem with TikTok I think is that it has slightly younger audience and then there's this then you have Facebook that has the older audience and then there's this gap in the middle and Instagram will forever be a photos app so it's just not really going to it's just not going to fill that gap. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say what Musk will do next. Um, I couldn't have predicted most of the things he's done yet. So it, it is possible that he could abandon a lot of his ideas about moving towards becoming a finance app and things like that. Has he given any indication what his... I know he said the finance and stuff, but does he give indication of like what his plans are for Twitter, for X? Not... In any concrete way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe because he doesn't have concrete ideas, that's possible. And is he super, like, does does he go to work every day at X? Or is he, because I know that when he took over X, Tesla stocks plummeted and the Tesla shareholders were like, you need to, because, you know, he might be a crazy person, but he is really good at certain things like he's a genius in certain areas and so Tesla were like you need to stay close to the Tesla brand because otherwise people are going to stop investing in Tesla and then he's like sending people to Mars and stuff like he's a busy guy so how much is Twitter or does he have kind of a right hand person who's like you run Twitter for me and I'll have a meeting with you on a Monday and you go and do it or is he can like really uh, I guess obsessed with like being the face of it so when he took over, he fired the CEO, the CFO and the policy chief. And then he dissolved the board and became the sole director of the company. So it really seemed like, you know, he was a man with a mission. He was going to do whatever he wanted. It seemed he didn't want the input of others. Um, 
However, then he ended up appointing a new CEO, Linda Yasserino. Maybe that is because of the criticism he got from being a bit further away from the Tesla brand. So now... She's Where did he find her? Like, or she like she wasn't there when he arrived? No, no, no. Um, I believe she has. She's been a completely um, new person to the company, which I, I'm not sure if that's good or bad. Um, probably not great, considering he doesn't seem to really know much about it either. Um, so she said that she was going to focus primarily on business operations, um, which is. Interesting because then not too long after we had the whole big rebrand, which seems to be a marketing thing that I'm sure she had a hand in. Um, Yeah, so it seems to be she is doing a lot of the work at the moment, but Elon is still the face of it. And he is exactly Mm -hmm. and he is very much doing all the outward um, appearances like every tweet is him having to explain something because it probably wasn't explained well enough internally, you know. So he's using the public platform to give messages to his employees, like even in Dublin? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> no, this isn't every day, but... Uh, but it's often enough it's to be often significant. enough, yeah. Um, I, I cannot think of another example of that from someone like him or in his position. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you think in the short term, like, is going to happen? Like, is it still hemorrhaging money? What is he saying about it publicly? Are people still getting jobs there? You know, or is it dying slowly? I think it's dying slowly at the moment. But if things change as drastically as they have in the last year, in the next year, it's really hard to say how it's going to go. Um I mean, we've both said we're we're still on Twitter. We don't like it, but we're still there. Yeah, but I'm not paying, like, they're not benefiting from me in any way. Well, I mean, I suppose it helps with the numbers and stuff. I think it gives us still a sense of confidence that they've managed to keep afloat this long whenever people thought that it was going to end a lot quicker. Um, But that's also because I don't actually know how to fully delete my account, you know? (laughs) Like, I can delete the app and sometimes I do, but I'm always kind of floating in there. It's not something that, because I haven't invested financially in it, it's not as if I'm going to cancel my subscription. That's true. You know, I think it doesn't cost people really anything to to have a Twitter account. Yes, but I think we're creatures of habit. And like, if you look at just the social media addictions people, most people have at this point, um, it's hard to take away one of the main apps somebody uses. And... I think people will really cling on. They'll hate it, but I think they will cling on for a long, long time until it's literally unusable. Um, and it's it's that thing of, well, I don't like Elon Musk, but I'm just really used to getting Check my news into. this way, interacting with people this way. A lot of people even just like interact in DMs. Like there's there's people I talk to, I've only, only ever talked to in Twitter DMs. I don't have their numbers. Mm-hmm. I don't need to have their numbers, you know? Um, and I mean, Instagram is similar as well. I mean, I, th- I think even Instagram in lots of ways has gotten a lot worse and people complain and complain, but they aren't leaving it. It's just part of, it's part of your every every day now and it's it's more important to your phone than the phone app really at this yes, point. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, it's not logical, but uh, I think that a lot of people will stick around for a good while until, at least until there is a really 
good, viable alternative, which there probably won't be for a while. Yeah. If people want to hear more from you or want more explanations about this or want to follow the progress of Twitter, where can they find you? Am I really going to link my (laughs) Twitter? Yeah, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm Mairead McGuire on Twitter, or X as they call it now, I believe. Um, Which, by the way, the URL still isn't changed. It's still twitter.com, which is so messy. And And it's still retweet. Well, it is on my phone anyway. Right, yeah. Um, So, yeah, you won't be seeing me refer to it in a serious way as X for a long time. But you can follow me on Twitter um, if you want. Or uh, I'm a reporter with the journal.ie, so you'll see my articles there. Brilliant. Thank you so much. That is Mairead Maguire. And that is another episode of Basically. Our music is by Only Ruin. Our graphic design is by Cahal O'Gara. We're produced by Hilary Barry and we're part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. See you next week. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.